da 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 You sound insane. You realize that? Yeah. The whole world got crazy. Seriously? It's showtime. Happy holidays, man fam. Hope everyone had a wonderful weekend. Hope you were able to go out and see a movie. It's become a, you know, kind of a tradition in my family, or used to be at least, uh, pre-COVID times to, you know, go go out and see a movie on Christmas, Christmas Eve. It's a great time. It's a great time to, uh, you know, reminisce about things you've seen in the year with people that you know, because we did a lot of that this weekend. Fellas, welcome back. Without a Von Trier this year, what'd you guys go see? <laughs> Uh, I know there's no Von Trier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just did a sort of a retrospective, you know, of okay. all those those films. I rented out a theater, cool. and uh, we ran all the movies back to back to back to back. Um, I advertised it, but maybe didn't do a great job on the targeting. No one else came. Yeah. It was weird, but I think probably I'll do that as a tradition on Christmas. You know, Good. moving forward, I think it's probably. I always idea. like when it'll when- catch on. When Bjork gets executed and Dancer in the Dark is like, kind of, I try to time that right with Midnight on right. Christmas. Yeah, so. yeah, 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 yeah. Spoiler alert for a twenty-year-old <laughs> Bjork movie. I certainly didn't anticipate seeing a Matrix movie <laughs> in twenty twenty-one yeah. in the theater for Christmas mm. weekend. It wasn't like mm-hmm. in the cards. wasn't the ideal plan when you when you look <laughs> down the road. But here we were, and here we are to talk about it. It's Matrix Resurrections. I mean, this is going to be another No Way Home, Far From Home, where mm-hmm. I'm like Revolutions, mm-hmm. uh, Reloaded, all that stuff. I, I assume the next one's going to be Revelations or something, you know, make it even more confusing on on everybody. But here we are to talk about it, Matrix 4, and I guess anticipated for people who knew the Matrix. I mean, let's start here. Let's start with the numbers, okay? We, we usually start... Talking big picture about these movies before we dive into specifics. Try and keep it a little bit non-spoilery before uh, for the main audience that maybe hasn't seen this yet. So, when the when did the last Matrix come out? Two thousand three, four, something like that. Both of them came out in two thousand three. It was okay. like a yeah, it was May July, and December, December thing, like if I remember yeah, correctly, yeah. something like that. Yeah, the I remember Christmas seeing both one. of them <laughs> in the theaters right. with my dad. And being let down both times. <laughs> we both loved the, mm-hmm. the first one or like, yeah. I don't know. It was one of the first movies as like a young kid that I watched with my dad. And we we're like watching guns shoot and stuff and just throwing out, you know, kind of a thing. So we went to see the second one. And I remember being blown away by the car chase sequence, which still I think holds up. I think that, mm-hmm. that's a great one and Reloaded. And then the third one, we just walked out of the theater like, what happened? <laughs> you know? So 2003 was quite a while ago, almost 20 years ago, for those of you keeping count at home. And mm-hmm. this one came out this past weekend. I'm looking at the, this is the numbers.com. I don't know how, how many days this is updated or how many days it takes into account. But it, over the weekend, it did $12 million mm. in, the, uh, in the theater. Yeah. So Plus I don't HBO know. Max. So no yeah, one yeah, HBO Max hits yeah. that. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's not, that's always hard to I mean, I would, I would put. Six six to eight billion dollars on HBO Max, so maybe maybe it yeah, makes maybe, twenty million dollars. Maybe generously you double it, you know. Yeah. Just yeah, okay, twenty five million, I, yeah. something like that. I would think most Matrix fans, though, if you were anticipating this, like if you were going to go to a theater opening weekend, I would anticipate you probably went to the theater opening weekend, yeah, uh, because depends. you want to see this on a big screen. Pandemic, you know, pa- oh, yeah, pandemic, yeah, but 
And it did it did better. If this is like a Spider-Man No Way Home to you though, if you've been if you are all yeah. about the Matrix and this is you've been waiting for this for 20 years, uh, you're you're at the theater. So of yeah. those people, 12 sure. million dollars is what mm-hmm. it made. And I would have thought it would yeah, domestically. Mm-hmm. It's made uh 20 Two so far domestically. I think it's up to sixty six worldwide. Okay. When you well, it cost one hundred ninety million dollars. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. I'm just I just surprised. I guess to start this off that there wasn't more of an audience for this uh, in the theater. Yeah. I mean, we are in COVID times, but we're coming mm-hmm. off a weekend where Spider Man made three hundred million dollars. So I, I mean, I if people want to see stuff, they will. I guess they just didn't didn't care enough about this. I don't know if they were scared of it. The the, the other ones turned them off. They didn't believe the hype for this one, or if it's just been too long and they're, and they've moved on, mm-hmm. Brian. I think there's a few factors. We talked about this with West side story, um, which made about the same amount, like a slightly less, right? Like around $11 million opening weekend, something in that mm-hmm. range. Mm-hmm. And that was a disappointment. There were lots of yeah. stories about that. Oh man, no one wants to see a musical and stuff. Um, this is kind of the same again. I, I think you could be generous and say it, it makes 20 to 25. If there's no HBO max, I watched it on HBO Max. Um, I'm sure lots of other people did too. And and you do have this COVID surge that may have prevented a good chunk of people from seeing it. Um, also, $190 million for this is insane. Mm. This, there is no... I, I, I don't know, man. I... And and it's not like this seven years ago. It's been yeah. Warner Brothers just uh, for you know Lily Wachowski said the director of this. She said ever since they made the first Matrix movies that Warner Brothers every year has been beating down their door to do another one, and they were like, no, 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 Mm -hmm. no, and they just see dollar signs. Like Warner Brothers just sees dollar signs when they see the Matrix, and apparently that is just a complete dream you know reality that they're living a matrix if you will or a or a i don't know zion if you want to flip it the other way that that's not true at all i I guess people don't want to see another matrix movie and the proof's in the pudding right yeah i mean i don't know i mean it's it's like it's so funny now i think it's so hard to compare things to something like spider-man because that just seems to be its own thing it's hard to compare things at least in like the monoculture you know Mm -hmm. i think matrix was definitely monoculture 18 years ago, even when the sequels came out, I, I, I do think it's become more and more of a niche um, thing. And and part of that is not necessarily the fault of the property. These things are weird. There's a lot of things that come into like, hey, where are they available on streaming? Mm-hmm. You know, where, you know, what are they rated? Um, when do they play on cable 10 years ago? You know, yeah. these things that sort of organically build um, larger audiences as things go on. I, I mean, certainly I don't know, but I, I haven't run into too much Matrix stuff over the last 10 years um, mm. other than really nostalgia-based things. So maybe that audience just stayed kind of stagnant and kind of forgot about it and who knows. Or maybe there's a, a subset of Matrix fans we learn are more uh, adverse to uh, pandemic movie going. I mean, there's like a billion variables here that are hard to figure out. Yeah, Financially. I mean, I- I would say but, one factor that I would have considered if I was Warner Brothers. Yeah. And maybe this doesn't matter because we said, look, I, I, I said for, uh, for West Side Story, I think that there's a certain amount of we want to be in the Spielberg business, so it's right, fine. Right, right. So maybe you want to be in, in the Wachowski business. Um, I would have said if I was in the room and when this pitch is coming through, I would have said, hey, just a reminder, guys, the last Matrix movie made $300 million less than the previous yeah. Matrix movie, and that was 18 years ago. So, Great point. I'm not I, saying we don't want to make this movie, but we don't want to make this movie for $200 million is what yeah, I'm saying. And, and yeah. I would say, too, there's a couple factors on that also. 
I don't think it's much be, as much being the Wachowski business, right? Because they haven't had yeah. very successful mm-hmm. films since this. Right. Real. I mean, they've had a few things that have kind of bubbled, but mm-hmm. they've had some real flops as well. Big time. Um, yeah. I think it's more looking at the gross of John Wick 3 and yeah. being like, can we get sure. you know, Keanu in his most iconic role previous mm-hmm. to this? Yes. And re- that's what it, exactly kind of what it is. Leverage yeah. more of the John That's where the $200 million budget comes from, right? Yeah, I think. Probably. Um, and that's obviously there's something about John Wick, and again, pre-pandemic world, um, John Wick three that that definitely brought people out more than this. Um, and these are, I mean, they're not as they really fancy themselves as kind of dense things. They're not as dense as they like to pretend to be. These films, but they, they, uh, you know, there is something to. I think people eighteen years probably were like, oh, I don't even really remember how that all worked. You know, it mm-hmm. seems like yeah. it's it's a yeah. little more worky than an average blockbuster for yeah. what you've got to kind of remember and retain and, and then okay so i gotta go find these other three movies and watch them mm-hmm. you know i got too much going on and there was yeah. a lot of confusion from the wachowski i, I guess it was mainly lily who, who's uh out of it so lana's right. been the one yeah basically writing the canon for the matrix <laughs> you know for this iteration of it if you will and so they're like, oh, it's a direct sequel to the original Matrix. But so essentially right. writing off their last two films, yeah. but and also saying not. there's yeah. going to be characters from yeah. those films yeah. in this. No. So no, that's what are, that is the most <laughs> yeah. confusing yeah. messaging yeah. to get across to a fan base. It's a direct sequel to the first one, but also characters you from s- two and three will be in it. So you, you probably that. need to know who they are. <laughs> what? You say that, right? Conceptually, I, I certainly agree with you, but we are a week off of a Spider-Man movie that had three Spider-Men in it. Yeah, so like, no, 100%. there are ways to do these kind of things yeah, right. a little more elegantly, at least maybe not necessarily in the film, but in promotion to mm-hmm. hype that up. And right. I don't think that, and that, and I don't really put that on the Wachowskis. I put that on Warner Brothers, who time and time again, really post Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. have fumbled the ball, whether it be DC or the new Harry Potter films right. or this or myriad other things that have just not been very, they've been really sloppily constructed mm-hmm. and haphazardly yeah. pushed out into, look, hey, you think Disney doesn't, I'm not saying Disney's just in it for art. They're in it to make mm-hmm. money too, but but Warner Brothers is so obvious at their cash grabs yeah. and so, like I said, sloppy about going after them. They they Even if the movie ends up being decent, in some cases they have been, um, it 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 kind of fumbles out the gate, and mm-hmm. there's a lot of different parts, yeah. and then they redo certain parts, and it just seems like they're putting it together piecemeal as yeah. right up to the release point. They cost themselves money more than it's it's unbelievable how frequently mm-hmm. Warner Brothers cost themselves money. It it should be it should be a case study in business schoolers. I mean, like yeah, they're so frequently they just do the dumbest possible way that you could. It's not just spending money poorly it's the way that they advertise it it's the rush job that they do so frequently mm-hmm. with the dc movies with other movies as well like you mentioned richard it's it's very it's kind of mind-boggling because they have some great properties and they have some properties that like this is not a property that i care about personally but but i understand that there are a lot of people who do absolutely yeah um it just 
it always it always seems like they sk- try to skip steps and 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 cut corners and all this kind of stuff and it and it they try to scale before they yeah. have like a working product too it's yeah not, they've gotten better about that thank god but sure that was the dc they're more anxious problem. to announce the matrix four than right. they were about it yeah being good if it was yeah. good you know like like right. we want it to happen more than we want it to be a good movie or for right. it to matter or compliment the others in any way we're just worried like it's our last hope at like having some kind of mcu would be would be to mm-hmm. reboot so this from 20 years ago and it's so interesting too because like tangential to that on the television side there are people i mean i understand these are separate divisions and things mm-hmm. like that but there's been no real network slash streaming platform or anything that has a more curated yeah um you know higher level of excellent experience than hbo and hbo max mm-hmm. right as that kind of grows out and so it's it's always so funny to me that their their c- cinematic cousin mm-hmm. uh, is kind of more Netflix, where it's like let's just throw a bunch of stuff on the platform and see what happens, you know. <laughs> right, right. And uh, and some things, have, you know, things like Wonder Woman have have worked, and 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 things like you know Batman v Superman and Harry Potter or whatever they, Legendary Beast or whatever haven't. Um, but it is funny because it's you, you would think it's somewhere in in a building or in a, at least on Teams within their intranet or whatever. There, there, there are people that know what they're doing in terms of these releases, and and uh, maybe they should. There's voices. They should work it's in just probably from the top down. They probably yeah. have super intelligent people trying to get their voice heard, and they just aren't. Absolutely. And they have and, and, people and, that only see like the dollar signs at the top, and that's the way it totally. probably works. And part sadly. of it too is, I mean, they've been going through this merger, unmerger, AT and T thing, right, right, for years, and you know, I'm sure that's not a great. Not making excuses for them, but that's probably a hard place to create. Sure. Uh, things within so uh, these there's always a ton of variables in these things and I get it and and I'm not even going to really dunk on this box off I just think it's hard to you know dunk yeah. on box office stuff in this right. pandemic world but it's certainly not a good look that a week ago Disney pulled it off better than anyone ever has I mean that's just like mm-hmm. more bad news for, <laughs> for yeah. Warner Brothers um, but yeah but the movie yeah the movie. Yeah, last thing I would say on the box office is just because you're, you're right, Richard. Like it's it's we got to recalibrate, and I know we've said this several weeks in a row. We're gonna have to figure out what is a good box office weekend and what is not for for a blockbuster and, and all these sorts of things. So I, it's not to me. It's not we're dunking on. Hey, it's only made twelve million dollars. To me, it's more about y'all. I mean, we we spent we spent one hundred ninety million dollars plus. Plus public, I'm like plus PR on this. Like we we thought that that was a great idea. Um, that's yeah. the part to me. That's and they had like to mint all of those NFTs too, and that was probably really expensive. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and we've had evidence now. Across, obviously, you can't make a turn on ten days after Spider Man, but we have had evidence with No Time to Die and Fast and Furious that mm-hmm. the movies that perform well in the box office are the ones that do not have that other streaming option right away. Obviously, right. and so. Um, you don't have to do that for all your movies. I understand you're married to the HBO Max thing and it's mm-hmm. content for your platform and all that. But if you spend $200 million on something, you yeah. might want to make it exclusive in theaters mm-hmm. to try to bump that $12 million up to 35 because that yeah. makes a big difference. Yeah, I sure. think they probably, at the at the outset of 2021, were like, okay, this isn't changing anytime soon. There's not going to be no big changes in the, the theatrical world in yeah. 12 months. So let's just announce this for this year and do it. And by the time I, they got to December, they're like, oh, crap, we could probably I, put this thing out exclusively and make a lot more, but, but it was too I late. I mean, No you know? Time to Die came out in, what, September? Yeah. I mean, there's, I don't think they would get that much bad PR. Maybe. I could be wrong because everyone gets pissy about everything. But if in, <laughs> on September 1st, they're like, you know what? Sorry, we are a 
company and uh matrix is we, only yeah i'm sure it would be fine is only in theaters yeah and i don't think people would have been like what you promised it'd be on hbo max 12 months ago like i think people would be like yeah okay i get it the you want to actually get your money back on this thing at least better than than you could um but yeah obviously you can't make that call december 15th but i think there were times across the year but it seemed like in classic kind of weird warner brothers way they were like no we made this announcement in June of 2020, and right, we, right. by golly, lit, released the. We put out a YouTube video with the slate of movies on HBO Max, and there are no things. There's no going back from there. Mm-hmm. There's probably things I don't fully understand, right? Like le- legalities and things like that, right. contractual things that were already worked out that make that harder. Uh, and uh, to that, I I'm not privy to that, so I can't really speak to it. But I'm just saying, PR wise, it's not a great look. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's get to the to the uh, yeah. movie now. We've talked big picture, and uh, you mentioned. Richard, about getting Keanu at his John Wick best, putting him back in this iconic role of Neo, or Thomas Anderson, and letting the Keanu sans roll on, right? Well, I just, I just, I've been a fan of Keanu recently. I I think, I haven't always been a fan of his, but I think the way he's kind of gone about the past five to seven Mm -hmm. years has been pretty awesome. Uh, and the projects he's, he's picked and things like that. Apparently he's talking with Marvel and Kevin Feige right now about maybe working together. And I think if he's used correctly, mm-hmm. he can be a really effective actor. Um, but having said that, <laughs> if used incorrectly, I think he's one of the worst. And this was maybe the worst Keanu performance of it I've ever seen. I mean, this I, I couldn't do Keanu in this. I don't know why. Um, it, it is... Um, the thing I say all the time on the pod, guys, bad directors can get bad performances. And that I think that's the case here. And Keanu Sans did not feel like it was rolling on. It felt like I was back to 10 years ago. And why is this guy still trying to make movies? Uh, you know, when he's doing yeah. Day the Earth Stood Still and stuff like that. That's what I felt like watching him in this role. And that was that was really sad. It's just a weak, weak screenplay. And, and I think... What stuck out to me the most is if they were really going to the Wachowskis every year and saying, let's do this, why didn't they – Warner Brothers makes $13 billion a year, right? Mm-hmm. Why didn't they hire 100 screenwriters to write a Matrix 4 and pick the absolute best one and make that? Why does it have I'll to be – I'll put that on the Wachowskis. I don't, I don't understand I why this was the the Matrix 4 and – you know, maybe leave it up to them, and they probably said, "Hey, I mean, whenever you guys feel inspired enough to do it, bring it on, and and us and our team over here will do it." And that's what happened. The parents of the Wachowskis passed away, and that's what inspired Lana. Said she dreamt this in a dream, like this exact yeah. story, and so that's. That's the inspiration for this was how to re go about this was like all came in a in a vision and and Lily was like, Okay, this is obviously your vision. You dreamt it, go for it. And this is what it is. And it's just so clear that this is A a cash grab for Warner Brothers and B a they so want to make this Jupiter ascending. Like they they so want a big sci-fi epic franchise that they're willing to do anything. And that includes crap all over their most epic film. Uh, and I think this movie kind of does that. And it doesn't know, it didn't know how to respect the first film. It didn't know how, Mm -hmm. like it was trying to pay homage to it in a really corny way. I thought 
by literally showing us the first movie like on screen as they're watching the movie, the matrix, like Neo Neo's vision of, of the, uh, you know, the first events was literally the first movie, like cut for cut. So what we actually saw was technically Neo's vision and not a movie. I don't, the, the levels of, of trying to like go deep into the lore of this is so mm-hmm. frustrating. Yeah. And w- I went back and watched the matrix this past week because I wanted to compare and contrast. Right. Yeah. I'll, even I'll admit there's some stuff in there that's really compelling. That's really well yeah. done. Absolutely. That's really For smart. Sure. That's sure. really inventive. And that first 20 minutes, but you know, when the introduction of Morpheus and the whole explanation of the matrix, I think is still great, great writing, you know, great science fiction. Okay. You established the rules of your universe, Right. But the problem with this, and what we said is, you know, establish your rules and play in the play in the playground once you establish mm-hmm. the rules. The problem is they they keep writing the rules. We're four movies into this, and we're still writing r- rules of our universe. We still don't know the technicalities of the universe to an extent where they're bending they're bending things in this movie that shouldn't have, you know shouldn't have happened or can't happen in the first film. So it's uh, it's really frustrating. It's like retconning a bunch of things. It, it feels disingenuous, even though it's the original filmmaker making it and actors and everything. And I'm just frustrated because I'm not against like rebooting the matrix. Sure. Mm. Go for it, but make it good. You know, I, I, I do think that this subject matter and like the world we live in is actually a simulation and stuff. Yeah. And I know I'm ranting here, but Richard, have you seen, or Brian, have you guys watched uh, Glitch in the Matrix, the documentary that came out, I don't know, a couple of years no, ago? No, I don't think so. I mean, I, I'm aware of the the broad strokes of The broad of, strokes of it, right. Yeah, but I don't think I watched that. Uh, you didn't You didn't see it, Richard? No, no. Well, I know what it is. It's a basically- Rodney Asher, right? Yeah, it's basically simulation theory in it of itself has become like a huge- topic in the past i don't know decade like elon musk has talked a lot about it sure like you know um the glitch of the matrix is a documentary that kind of talks about the matrix movie and how that kind of started people thinking more about simulation theory and the documentary kind of ends with like a police report or like an actual murder story that a kid a teenager like actually killed his family because he thought he was in the matrix. Right. Like he was so into the movie, his entire room was matrix stuff. He was so convinced that what he witnessed was real or, or that it was so groundbreaking that he like killed his family and stuff. Um, and that's just a, that's just an aside on a note on the documentary, but all that to say like simulation theory in of itself in the past 10 years has become really interesting. So I feel like you could kind of reinvent this, movie in a way that could be really interesting for today. Does that make sense? A bit, but also to counter your point, we talked this a little bit on the original. I mean, this is an idea that goes back to Plato, right? This this Mm -hmm. idea. I mean, it's not a new idea. What made it interesting was that particular technological moment in the late Mm -hmm. 90s, early 2000s, where we started to, yeah, with the internet, you started to at least put a new twist on this idea, Mm -hmm. right? That we could think. Um, I don't think the Wachowskis uh, are like, Willing to go? There's, you're right, Kent. There's a lot to not the Wachowskis. I'm saying if somebody, if you gave the Matrix property to somebody sure. who knew what they were doing, 
I think they could do something pretty interesting in 2021 with that. Especially we have the metaverse and all these things that come even more and more. Right. But it it also becomes more and more overt and thus less interesting too. But like, I don't think, I like, we talked about like the Wachowskis are not really, I don't think ever, I don't think it's, think about this as deeply as they pretend like they do. I mean, this is a pretty, I mean, The Matrix is a pretty interesting movie. It's a cool little kind of, you know, action shoot them up with like a particular little uh psychological and philosophical twist um a little bit more high-minded than your average um you know uh, action film for sure however the reaction to that movie because it did come out at the perfect time was really culturally relevant in that moment right i think both the studio and the filmmakers themselves actually think they like made something super intellectually important. Right. That's that they think this is smart. It's not. And thus every iteration of it thus doubles down on that instead Mm. of like what the original, you know, because they have to just show it like, and it's just not, I don't think they're really up to that because they're action film. (laughs) I mean, I, I I don't, and I'm not up to that either. I'm not like talking down. I'm just saying like, these are, these are ideas that they are willing to explore without really, I think the like, horsepower to really go into or also by the way maybe they do have it but it's not going to make a very interesting movie because at that point it's like a philosophy book so um i I just think it was a really awesome i mean the matrix is a really awesome confluence of moment and subject Mm -hmm. matter and cast and effects and technology and and the way you could actually put yourself in that world for the first time um and i think with each time it gets a little more but i know brian i know you have thoughts on this too so yeah look i mean (laughs) I want to say too, like I I know that there's a lot of people that really dig this this movie and this universe, and I try. I think we try hard, and, and I don't know. Maybe sometimes it doesn't it doesn't come across, but I do think we 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 do try hard in in almost all cases to say this is my thoughts, and if you don't if you love this movie that I hate or you hated this movie that I love, that's fine. Like it's a movie, it's subjective. That's that's what we're doing. So I'm like, I'm, I'm wary of, cause like I know several people who this is a deal for them. Like this is like part of their personality yeah. as the matrix. And, and I want to be, <laughs> I want to be kind, I guess. Um, towards that, because I think this is terrible. I think this movie's terrible. I, the, the matrix universe I think you're spot on, Richard, was so cool in 1999 when I was 16 years old. And I, I mean, I remember by the time these the two sequels came out in 2003, I was like, I'm really, I'm done with that. I don't, I was over it four years later. And I understand that that's not the, uh, the same way for, for everybody. Um, but, but I think maybe the, the most spot on thing you said, Richard, is that what I like about the matrix, the original movie is the action. <laughs> I think that it's, it had some really great action sequences in it. Um, it, the, the whole setup is cool. Can't, like you said, it is, it is really tight. It's, it's, it's a, that's a good 15 minute intro into what we're doing here for the rest of this movie. And I think it works really well still. I re I did rewatch it this last week too. It's, if it's I was like thing. Warner brothers in 1998 and I read that screenplay yeah, I would have freaked sure. out and been like, this is the, the most, this is going to be the next star Wars. Like I would have mm-hmm. actually yeah. honestly yeah. thought that. And sure. when it came out, it was going to be, and then Columbine happened and put it in a weird context, like a month later. Remember that? That was, yeah. uh, no, that was tough. 
And yeah, and then the, the, the sequels came out both in six months, which that was a mistake in hindsight, probably to do it that Remember way. Remember when we did that with everything for a while? Yeah. Like Pirates of the Caribbean was like that. Yeah. That well, was Hobbit, like the weird. Hobbit was like that, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. There was a 10 year period where we just loved. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, you like this? Well, we're going to shove it down your throat yeah. in two years. You got three yeah. more of them in four months. You're going to like it, you little pig. Oink, oink. <laughs> eat it. Harry <laughs> Potter did that, no, didn't just, they? Or Hunger Games or something? One of those. I don't remember. Yeah. Harry Potter was, was pretty, pretty good. There's lots of movies that have done the, the Lord yeah. of the Rings thing, which is like, all right, for the next three years at, at Thanksgiving or Christmas, you're going to yeah. get these movies. You know, There's some. No, I'm talking about like put one out in May and then put one yeah, out in Christmas. Twice in six months was, was pretty. Yeah. Was yeah. pretty diff- difficult. Um, yeah, like I, I think what I, what is good about the Matrix has been completely lost by this point. Yep. And, and if you are into the other stuff, okay, that's totally fine. Like I'm, I'm good with it. It's super not for me. I do feel like we are pretty good usually. I'll just speak for myself because I don't want to throw you guys under the bus if, if we're gonna get hate back on this. But like, I usually, I think I'm pretty good usually at saying. At recognizing when something is not for me and then just being like, but it, but I can understand why it is and I can see the quality in it, even if this is not something that I ever want to personally revisit. I mean, I feel that way with like most uh, PTA movies. I'm like, that's a very good movie. I'm probably yeah, yeah. not going to watch that again. That's me sure. personally. That's how I, how I am. Um and I'm fine with fan service too, because we, I mean, a ton of that in Spider-Man loved it. A ton of that in the new Star Wars mostly loved it. All these sorts of things. Totally fine. I do think though that it is fair to say or fair to ask of a movie that if it is going to do fan service and if it is going to um, do the, this is, this is just not for me, but I can understand how, that it'd be good. And then, and this is not good. It's not good. This is not a good movie. I don't, I don't, I just don't, I don't understand. There's not, there's not one part of this beyond the like 20 page outline of a story that works for me. I think the, uh, you think sucks. the outline works? The, look, if you, <laughs> wow. in the, in the, uh, to, to your point previously in the hands of another director, which is never going to yeah. happen. I understand the concept of a meta return to the matrix I can kind of see like, okay, like I could, I could see how that could work. I could Mm -hmm. see how that could work. Now, I just don't think Lana Wachowski is a good director. I I just don't think she's a good filmmaker. She's the, the other properties that they have done outside of these movies. They suck. They're not good. I don't know. I I, I guess I could have, I could have revisited Speed Racer this week because that seems to be the one that people panned at the time and now have kind of come around on. And I haven't, I haven't watched that since it was in, it was in theaters, but I hate Cloud Atlas. Jupiter Ascending is one of the most comically bad movies I have ever seen. It's it's kind of... I don't think that they're capable. I don't think that, that Lana is capable of making this movie work at least in a mainstream audience. Not in 2021. Like Which they, all I their am. movies main, yeah. feel look, like I'm they're super in basic. 1999. Yeah. Like yeah. They and I'm super like, basic. And wouldn't I'm a, I'm wouldn't Jupiter Ascending been like the biggest right. movie of 1999? And, and everyone, no, because the script is so bad. Well, That's one I feel of the worst like, scripts I've ever I feel, seen. Him. I feel on, like we like, were more accepting to bad back then, and we've. I guess. Hopefully, we've I mean, come I guess, around. But, but, but you also probably aren't getting the the budget that they got. Yeah, it's for, the aesthetic. For it's the total so, aesthetic of yeah, 1999. Like, it, the, the these movies to me this and this is just like the 
I would have preferred so much to just leave this in the past and be able to look back on it fondly if you want to and not fondly if you don't and just like move on with it. Um, but you could probably say that of a lot of properties so and remakes and stuff like that. I get it. Um, but I think the casting is awful. I think almost all these people... Look, I mean, I love Keanu Reeves, the person, so much. North American Treasure, great person. Um, and I really enjoy him on screen, like you said, Kent, in the right hands um, mm-hmm. and in the right properties. He's so he's so wooden. And it's like he's doing a I would Keanu say noncommittal if it was I like he was doing that, a Neo a, a bit yes, of like, like an imp- what Neo yeah. should be, like yeah. an SNL fake yeah. Neo thing. Like right. it, it was so weird. I mean, he was like, what? Huh? I don't know. I just could not I, Morpheus. It, you know, I just couldn't do it, man. First of all, cutting Morpheus out was a huge mistake. Oh, big I time. Think big Fishburne, time. Big yeah, time. I, I'll be honest with you. When I think of the matrix, the first thing I think of are a couple of the action sequences. The second thing I think of is Morpheus. Yes. And I think not having him proper in this movie is a huge mistake that I don't really understand. Also, Yaya has done some incredible work. I thought he was fantastic in Candyman. I thought he was great in uh, the Sorkin movie last year that I'm forgetting. There's other stuff that he's done great in. He's awful in this. He's awful. Mm-hmm. It's it's a return to Aquaman where he was pretty terrible too. Yeah. All of the surrounding cast that they have in this, whether they're names or no names, they're all terrible except for 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 Carrie Ann Moss, who's great and is too good for this and should, yeah. just shouldn't shouldn't be in it beyond the paycheck. Neil Patrick Harris, every time he's on screen, screen, I was cringing. Jonathan Groff, every time he's on screen, I was cringing. It's it's the story is so poorly done. The the meta is so over the top and and. Christina Ricci obviously was was my favorite. I didn't even notice that she was. In I know, the movie yeah, until you she's the uh, she's the marketing yeah. lady at the video game company. I, I didn't even who was insistent on making the Matrix yeah. Four. Yeah, and I was like, I recognized her face because she had a different hair color, and I went yeah. on her IMDb, and surely enough, it was it was her. The entire setup. That's that's why I commented on the outline. The entire mm-hmm. setup of like a video game company and Neo, like. Uh, that being the the way to bring this into 2021 was so cringe to me, and it felt like so. Hey, young kids, look like so you know, focus grouped. Like what? Do, yes, like, literally kids the like data ma- on, yeah. yes. What do Matrix fans like? And then it's like index video games. Cool, right? Yes, right. I just thought that was so cheesy, and all the the dialogue. Uh, I think the guy actually uses the phrase "BT Dubs" to Neo at, at one yes. point. It yes. is so bad. Uh, you know, Neil Patrick Harris, uh, I was conflicted because I kind of liked the, the, uh, character at the beginning, like before the turn in the movie, but the turn really kind of pissed me off because it's like this movie, you were dead on Richard earlier and you're like, they, they think this is a lot smarter than it is. <laughs> and they're trying to be so satirical and have so, so much commentary on basically, Basically everything, you know, therapy, pharmaceuticals, uh, technology, relationships, all this kind of stuff. Like to frame the therapist as the the enemy of the movie really was kind of a, yeah. a mixed bag for me. And to like say, okay, you don't need the medication that your therapist is giving you. And that, I, don't, I don't know. I just knew that they were going for some kind of huge commentary there. And it pissed me off because like that's not a commentary that I think should be like surrounding the matrix 
is therapy is for losers and so is medication basically <laughs> you know like that, that's what they're trying to trying to yeah, say that's, good, that's a good point I hadn't I'm like i i couldn't believe like they made the therapist <laughs> the freaking villain of the movie <laughs> like the, the one that's trying to help neo realize he you know basically come down to earth so to speak this whole time ends up being the the you know they probably thought it was like a brilliant twist and no one will ever see this coming and all that kind of stuff but um i i thought it was so dumb and it really ruins like this the whole arc of the movie for me to be quite honest with you um but i'm i'm not against like Uh, the replication aspect of the movie I liked where, you know, essentially you're living in a loop uh, or, or Neo has to, has to where I thought they were going to go with this again was like, we're just going to do the matrix again, back to the future style. And he has to remake all these choices with the original characters and different things will happen. Like a choose your own adventure of the original one, which they kind of start to do at the beginning. And then they, go away from that. I would have liked that a lot more where, you know, they frame the, uh, the <laughs> yeah. initial thing, uh, you know, the, the shootout in his office is reminiscent of the shootout and yeah. And the original yeah. one. And, and then, you know, yeah. he's got the dojo sequence and all that. So I wish yeah. they would have maybe followed the template of the original more because I felt like that was stuff was kind of working for me. And then it just goes into second act, third act. We're at Zion. We've got all these, uh, past characters brought back. We've got Priyanka Chopra Jonas in the picture now in the movie. And so it just becomes Jupiter ascending in like the second hour. It's, it's like, okay, now that, now that the matrix four is here, let's do what we really want to do. And that's what it felt like. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think one of the big problems with this and, and again, to me, there are, there are many is it is, and I, th- this is not, un- this is not uncommon with this kind of movie that we're in, in, in this industry that we're at at this point it, it it very much felt like it's stuck between being a reboot and a remake and it can't pick one of those two and you got to pick one you got to decide are we going back to the matrix and we're going to get a fresh story are we just redoing the matrix like which 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 of these things are we doing and and the it it sometimes feels like all right we're starting to get a little feel for moving forward nope nope we're going to backtrack now it's time to uh revisit literally literally scenes from the previous movies so that we can remind you that by the way, in case you don't remember, cause I didn't, uh, Neo and, and Trinity die at the end of matrix, uh, revolutions. And, and here's the, it's, it's, <laughs> it's so painfully stitched together on that front. And, and it, it just, it so badly to me needed somebody to come in the room and say, look, I know this is your dream. This, <laughs> Sometimes our dreams don't make any sense. What you if, know? Sometimes, yeah, sometimes we maybe, gotta edit yeah. this down if we're gonna give it to for for five hundred million people to watch. We're gonna have to figure out a way to make it actually work for the medium instead of the dream medium that you apparently got this through. I, I just I just come back to I don't think there was a world in which this movie was this this movie not just like the Matrix Four but like this Matrix Four. I don't know that there was gonna be a way in which I somebody who I'm, again, I'm very basic. I don't. I'm not. De- I'm not deep thinking about the way that our whether or not I'm in a simulation on a daily basis. That's not how I roll. I, Terrible one because it's Mav season. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 always it's always bad. So maybe that is a simulation. I don't know. But <laughs> but the uh, 2011 was the glitch. You know, yeah. but like, but but 
that's not how I am. So I don't know that I was ever going to be at a place where I'm like, freaking can't wait for Matrix to come back after 20 years. Um, but this iteration of it, it just, it can't, it needed to be in the hands of somebody who is a, is a better filmmaker. I, I just, I don't know how else to put it. it, it it's just, it's if, poorly written. It's poorly directed. It looks awful. The aesthetic is just not, is not for me. I, I, I just don't know. I, I don't know that there's anybody else in the world who knows, quote unquote, the Matrix more than Lana and Lily. So I understand they're not just going to they're not going to hand it off. But they're not they're just she's not good. She's not a good filmmaker for well, me. For Jupiter this Ascending. Guy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, she made Jupiter Ascending. I don't I don't know what to Cloud Atlas I don't know was what to say. among the worst things I've ever seen. The fact that they got Tom Hanks to, Tom Hanks to agree to that is is unbelievable still to yeah, this the, day. The Tom Twiker third is the is oh. better for whatever. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, that one has a, at least more of a following. I don't think anyone's super into it. Does Jupiter Ascending have a cult following at all? I'm sure somebody out there is, well, they is suck, super losers. into this, but yeah. Wolf, I Wolf Moon. Can't, I can't do it, man. Yeah. Bee Stings. That's all I remember. Yeah. It's Wolf Moon, Bee Stings. Go to royalty. They Jupiter us. Moon, Bee Stings. Uh, yeah, I'm... If you're into this kind of stuff, if, if you like the matrix and the material the the commentary that it brings the conversation that uh it kind of starts seek out alex garland and his work he did ex machina he he did devs he's doing stuff like this uh, from a satire standpoint but a lot better and a lot more nuanced and it's going to stand the test of time a lot you know like oscar caliber films and and so check out his stuff and check out Black Mirror and stuff like that because I feel like that's just doing this, but it's doing it a lot better. And, you know, I'm with you. I, I think there's value to The Matrix from an action movie standpoint. But to be quite honest with you, this brought nothing to the table yeah. inventive-wise. Like, you know, you expect The Matrix to kind of reinvent visual effects in some way or oh, bring something terrible. amazing to the yeah. table. I don't remember one thing that happened in the movie. No from a visual effects standpoint, like I, I don't not one memorable moment sequence other than like, I thought the cinematography was cool on the dojo because they were like on a little Island. Like I thought that looked yeah. cool and, yeah. and all that stuff. I mean, the little pod flying stuff. Yeah. You was, expect like the, the yeah. matrix reloaded to go in there and to see a freaking scene of cars mm-hmm. or something. Yeah. And you're just like, Holy crap. Yeah. And sure. there's that, that was not, nothing here. Not one big they moment. They could have that just got like, a little wow. more than a hundred nine. Because in this economy, one ninety is nothing with inflation. <laughs> yeah. That's why I can. Yeah, need at least two hundred seventy yeah. million to do that. Easy to get a decent visual moment. How much did the first Matrix cost to make? Oh gosh, seventy five million probably. Yeah, something yeah, like that. Good. I mean, it was R rated, so they weren't throwing a lot of money at those back in the day on R rated movies like that. So. It was a pretty, probably, like you said, Ken, a pretty revolutionary. Oh, it was cheap. I remember they were saying, like, Keanu's... 65. Uh, yeah, Keanu's, like, uh, jacket wow. was, like, sewn from, like, Walmart fabric I mean, or something. Yeah, they'll like make crazy. money on it forever. I mean, between the IP of it and all of that. Yeah, $65 million. It made four sixty-five plus the sequels. But, mm-hmm. I mean, that's only probably a, a tip of the iceberg on what it really made, yeah. you know, for the last 20 years. For sure. For sure. Yeah. there's It is. It's one of those... First off, shouts to Lawrence Fishburne for doing McGruber instead. I'm just going to choose <laughs> choose to believe oh, that he did. Yeah, um, maybe. What would um, you do? <laughs> well, I think we know the answer to that uh. question. Um, but yeah, this is one I'm out on. I think until I look, in, if in ten or fifteen years, 
It's hey, we're doing the uh, something the Matrix world again, and like you said, Brian, but it's a different filmmaker. Mm-hmm. And hey, maybe the Wachowskis are pro- or Orlando Wachowskis producing it. Like that, I'm still you know I'm, that's a guiding hand that it's it's her baby for sure. But I would love to see a, a young, competent filmmaker ta- attack this um, with a little more grace than than this one certainly had. Because mm-hmm. yeah, like you said, Brian, I thought that was the funniest note. Like yeah. I can tell you dreamt this movie because it's pretty incoherent. Like most of my dreams, yeah. like there was a dream. Super incoherent. I yeah. dreamt last week that I like brought my toilet across the street to my neighbor's house and was using it because I didn't want to bother theirs. I dreamt that. Should I make that into a movie? I don't know. Not really. Right. I should probably Let's just keep using my bathroom at home. Yeah. 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 I dreamt so. that Neil Patrick Harris was my therapist and then he wanted to kill me. So that's kind of that, that was a pretty impressive uh piece by him though. I really seriously that that monologue where he's like moving around and stuff in the bullet time, making fun of the bullet. Oh, that terrible. was cool. That was cool. The one monologue at the but end the of the movie. But the kind of reveal there was I, I mean that that was that was super cringy to me. The monologue was awful. The monologue, I thought the visual effects were cool. I thought the scene was stupid. Oh. Uh the uh the one uh, hang at the end where he's like revealing his plan and he actually like in the screenplay, I'm not joking, they use the phrase sheeple to describe yeah. they said the sheeple want to be yeah. controlled. Like, oh, God. Yeah. Just stop. Yeah, oh, no, can I say no this? This drove me nuts, <laughs> but I didn't get a chance to put this in. It was in the opening scene. I'm just looking at my notes here. Um, this drove me insane. Um, every movie ever from bad, anything with, with machine guns or guns mm-hmm. ever, from bad action movies to really great, you know, something like Skyfall or something, ha- has included a scene where our hero or some version, somebody we are rooting for, is running away from people with guns and they're shooting at them and all the bullets miss. The stormtrooper effect, right? This is mm-hmm. a totally mm-hmm. accepted movie trope and I'm fine with it. Mm-hmm. I am going to need 30 feet of distance though <laughs> when you're shooting at someone and missing. Just to, like it's the Jurassic Park thing just to get me over the mental yeah. hump. I understand sure. there are, the sure. bullets don't hit good guys, but you can't be six feet away point blank and just magoobering the gun <laughs> and just missing bugs as she like yeah. runs out. That opening scene is so f- – watch that again if you get a chance on HBO yeah. Max. They are like four and a half feet away from her and just like <laughs> – I don't know what I'm doing. Like it is so – it is so funny. Like it's just a really simple – I don't know if it was like a COVID thing. They all had to be in one room or something to shoot this. But like just sp- give me 15 feet and then I'm in. I'm buying that they're just terrible shots. But mm-hmm. – no one misses from four feet. Yeah. That made me laugh. Also, the turn bona fide famous person. Uh, That's how I'm introducing Ken from now on. I mean, it it felt like the dialogue in this was written in 1999. Years ago. I mean, yeah, yeah, it was like it's just very, very antiquated. And I don't know. I, I know there's some people out there that are saying like that some of this was intentional, that this is like trying to like you know turn the turn the movie industry on its head and and show how stupid it is hold up the mirror to the, the no movie way industry. no chance and i just feel like we're at that point i am completely out of the conspiracy theory so like i also, just can't it can't do it the interesting thing the wachowskis could do with the sort of video game commentary and the matrix and the metaverse and all the things they're sort of commenting on why don't you do what the south park guys did and make an awesome rpg that's yeah, like in yeah. the Matrix, and you can go in and out of it, and it's super cool. And spend ten years writing a ten thousand page script, like the South Park guys did, or whatever. You know, obviously mm-hmm. there was like a stupid uh, fractured butthole, but like <laughs> it was the best title in the history of the world. But 
But like that, if you're gonna do that, I mean, I'd be much more interested in, in, and I think they could make something more interesting in that world. They obviously seem to be fascinated by it than traditional cinema because it's not not yeah. particularly cinematic anymore. For sure. By the way, the only uh, only video games I own on PlayStation is uh, Formula One, which was fr- a free download, and the Fractured But Whole. Uh, yeah, it's the only ones I have. <laughs> literally, it's like got to got to got to play that game, man. Those games are so fun. If you've yeah, never played awesome. them, it's a giant episode. It's of- just a big episode. Yeah, it's yeah. A, it's a, a thousand hours long or whatever. You know. Yeah, you're right. Why? I mean, maybe like a television series would have done better. Maybe you know they did Sense Eight. Maybe a an HBO Max Inside the Matrix, like a Westworld kind of a a thing would have would have worked better. But I think you're right, Brian. I th- I think. The Wachowskis would have to give up complete control for anything like that to happen. I don't see that happening. I don't see them giving up no. the property of the no, Matrix. It'd have to be a George Lucas kind of thing. Yeah, it'd have to be they, like they, they sell their property and and they get a billion dollars in advance yeah. to get to to sell yeah. it. Yeah, and I just don't think it's deal. worth that anymore. I think yeah. after this, I I mean, I hope they don't make another one of these. I probably uh, they probably were planning a trilogy I mean, at the outset, and I, I hope it's not. Going to lose a hundred million dollars. Yeah, I don't. I mean. Yeah, they but just, you know, <laughs> yeah. property. I know, I know. It's, it's intellectual it's always, property. I mean, you're right. I mean, is it intellectual? I'm kidding. <laughs> good, good point. Just ask. Just ask them. Well, I mean, just to the point of like, how many times is Paramount going to reboot Ninja Turtles? You know, it's just like yeah. it's it's IP. It's gonna people know it. And that's so valuable. So, um, if if the, I, if I was Warner Brothers, I would beg. I would say we'll give you a hundred million dollars to not make another one and let us have it, you know, or something like yeah. that. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I really yeah. would, because I think the the property and the where it can go is 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 interesting. I think there Christopher are Christopher Nolan's uh, The Matrix, right? I mean, I know he's not mm-hmm. at Warner Brothers anymore, but that would be like mm-hmm. okay, cool. I'm back in on this. Yeah, I mean, like he did like Tenet. I mean, that's kind of like right. The Matrix, you know. No, I, I, I totally it's think equally that as somebody, dumb. Yeah, no, I get it. Somebody, <laughs> somebody could. <laughs> approaches i mean we said it a bunch yeah. of times this, this is this is not the matrix four that i wanted uh, but i'm not out on uh, the idea uh, in 10 years or five years of doing another one with somebody else at the helm um yeah like an aliens like you know how yeah. what's his, what's his name's doing aliens on tv mm-hmm. now Noah holly you know like that kind of thing yeah that would definitely help for me i i just i don't know i kind of feel like the matrix is more is more to be honest with you, I think I think of it more as like a meme or like a cultural but there's, touchstone than there's I do gotta a, be a like movie property. Young personally. filmmakers out there that that grew up yeah, on the Matrix, yeah, that for just sure. Love like, this the is Matrix, a, like yeah, I don't, it's a very influential yes. movie. There's no question about that. I I I think maybe it's a little less influential than than maybe Uber fans think it is, <laughs> but that's fine. Like we can disagree on that. That's not that big of a deal. I, so yes, you're right, Ken. Like you can definitely find somebody who's like, oh yeah, I would love to make a Matrix mm-hmm. movie or a Matrix series or or whatever. Um, I just I just don't think that this is the way to do it. So yeah, it's, maybe not. And, I, and again, to be fair, I, for me personally, I'm not sure that there's too much because I just don't care. I don't care about the Matrix. I was kind of surprised to find, um, it, like within our Discord, I'll say the. I think I think there were a lot of people who were surprised to find that there are a lot of people like me who absolutely do not care about the Matrix whatsoever. And on the flip side of that, I was surprised to find that there are people who are younger and sometimes significantly younger than me that give a rip about the Matrix. Because mm-hmm. to me, it seems like such a moment in time and such a 
if you were there, you have like a ton of nostalgia for this movie. And if you weren't, you're like, it's like watching an eighties movie with your dad and you know, and like, well, this sucks, dad. I don't really understand why you like this so much. Well, leather is pretty in now. So, (laughs) so both, I think both sides, both sides could probably, we're, we're a little surprised to find out about the other side on this one. So that's, that's a good thing. That's fine. It means we're, 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 uh, like expanding the conversation, I guess. I totally like, forgot this that is pretty rough for me. The not, original not movie. <laughs> I forgot the original movie. The theme song was by Rage Against the Machine. Is that not the most like on yeah, the nose right. choice yeah. ever? Yeah. Yeah. Forgot that. Pretty, and Marilyn Manson too. Stuck obviously. In the 90s too, I, I feel like I had to have Marilyn Manson because there was, you Oof. know, trench coats yeah. involved and stuff. So Yeah. Well, um, I'm ready to grade this one out. Uh, I'm with you. I think it was a huge mistake, Brian, not having Fishburne in this and not having Morpheus oh, proper. Uh, that was a a mistake I didn't anticipate until the movie was going, and I'm like, man, this could really use that presence. And uh, that that was. And I love um, Yaya too. I think he's awesome. Yeah, you too. I think not in this. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What did I see recently that he was in that I I really enjoyed? Uh, can't think of it now. Maybe I will later. But before we reveal our grades for the Matrix 4 slash Resurrections, need to remind all the aspiring filmmakers, screenwriters who listen to Mad About Movies about NYU Tisch Pro Online. The deadline for the spring course is coming up here on January 7th, so you need to act fast if you want to sign up. Spring courses include the documentary workshop featuring participation from the New York Times documentary team who do excellent work, as I've said and recommended on this show. And they've got a writing for screen class as well. If you're interested in maybe getting into screenwriting, maybe dabbling that, submitting some of your work, some online contests, this is a great way to get your foot in the door. They offer total scheduling flexibility. Students can uh, delve into the material on their own pace, review stuff with your classes online. It's not just a Zoom with somebody instructing you. This is really collaborative, and they've got their own online platform that lets you be creative with other students. You can actually make videos, comment on them at certain times with your crew. It's really revolutionary for film students, and you can get a taste of it with NYU Tisch Pro Online this spring. And there are some other courses planned for the future, too, like branded storytelling, their film workshop, a generic screenwriting class, and of course, cinematography fundamentals. But this spring, sign up by January 7th for the documentary workshop and writing for the screen. This is a great way, man, fam, to act on your New Year's resolution, become more creative in the new year. So to learn more, go to tishpro.smashcut.com slash mad. That's tishpro, T-I-S-C-H-P-R-O dot smashcut.com slash mad. Sign up now. Become a filmmaker. Maybe we'll review one of your movies on the show. How awesome would that be? It's tishpro.smashcut.com slash Matt. Sign up by January 7th. Um, I'm ready to grade this one out. I'll go C, C on it. Maybe. Yeah. C, okay. D, somewhere around there. <laughs> a lot of range. It's <laughs> not F minus minus minus. No, because, it's not F minus minus. Um, I don't know why because it's not. Like, for some reason. I don't know why it isn't, but weirdly it's not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I had the same feeling. It might be for Brian. I had the same feeling. It was a threshold above F minus minus plus for me. I'm going to go D plus. 
Yeah, that's probably. If somebody I'm said they like this, I would not laugh in their face. I'd be like, okay, yeah. I mean, it's not for me. Certainly, uh, it's not a good movie. But if you thought this was good, I can see why. Does that make <laughs> sense? Go ahead, Brian. Yeah, I guess. I yeah. <laughs> I I, uh, I I thought the first thirty minutes were horrific. And the last 30 minutes were horrific. Yeah. And then there were like little parts in between where I was like, okay, I kind of see where we're going. And then it's like, no, here's a scene where the, where they call the exiles or whatever show up. And they're like, I don't. They're like homeless people. Yeah. Yeah. It didn't really get, there was just a lot. There was a lot of that back and forth. I just think it's not. I, I, I would put it this way. Again, this movie's not for me. I'm not an intellectual and also I'm good with that. Like I'm very happy to not be an intellectual. And then there are people who are intellectuals and that's great. Where I struggle is the people who are not intellectuals, but badly want to be intellectuals. And that's kind of that's what, where the matrix finds itself. <laughs> that's, the faux intellectual yeah, is the, f- yeah, the, the faux intellectual, the beret of of like movies. the matrix, Joe Rogan, like that Venn diagram um, is kind of where I this do my own research. Yeah. Yeah. And that I'm not a I'm not, You're not a, a free thinker, bro. Yeah, I'm not, and that's cool. I'm happy to be in the You're matrix. Sheeple, I guess Brian. if this You're is a a, <laughs> yeah, I'm a sheeple, and that's fine with me. This is horribly made. It it's not an F. You're right. It's not an F minus minus minus. But it it there's a pretty decent chance it's going to be in my my bottom ten of the year. I really did not like this, yeah. so I, I guess I'll just go with a D and see where we end up from there. All right, that's Matrix. Resurrections, Richard, what's your grade? Uh, yeah, it was D plus. You're a D plus. Okay, just make sure. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's Matrix Resurrections. Now let's hit a weekly recommend before we get out of here. Weekly recommend. All right, I'm going to recommend a documentary series. I believe it's on Hulu or Amazon or one of those. It's called Power On, the story of the Xbox. I don't know if you guys have seen this. And... Uh, I'm not a big gamer. Like I said, I have one video game. Uh, I grew up, of course, in the in the heyday of Sega Genesis and N64 and all that. But I don't love playing games, but I love game culture and game history and stuff like that. And so give me any kind of game documentary and I'm in on it. Uh, this one was awesome because uh, I you know, obviously got the first Xbox when it came out. It was very, very formative for our friends group at the time playing halo and stuff. And I didn't know about the history of it and how it was developed. And just the fact that Microsoft was so lame in the late nineties, you know, and, and the, 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 the idea of them doing a console was like so laughable to console gamers, you know, like this company that does Microsoft word is going to do a cool console. Yeah. Right. You know, and it was a huge risk for them. They spent a billion dollars developing it and launching it. And, you know, obviously, luckily it worked out, not without some bumps in the road. They do a whole episode on the re- rendering of death, which is a very uh, m- big memory of touring years, uh, trying to play Xbox touring and getting the red ring of death every time was the, the height of the Xbox 360 craze. And then Xbox Live, like I said, uh, Richard, I remember leaving football practice like in uh, high school and like as we were walking out the field being like all right xbox live at six you know we'd all go home do our homework eat dinner and then get on xbox live for three hours mm-hmm. you know like that was our high school 
And so yeah. I, I vividly remember all that and it just changed a lot of, of course, esports and where, where things are now, but, um, really interesting documentary. Well done. Uh, it was like eight episodes or something like that going from basically the, interesting. the start of Xbox development until today, uh, where they are now. So it was really, I found it really interesting and, um, didn't know much about Xbox. Like I said, there's been a lot of stuff put out there about Genesis and N64 and the kind of the heyday of nineties gaming culture, but never really about the late two thousands and, uh, the Microsoft entry into it all is really fun to me. So check that out. It's called power on the story of Xbox. It's my recommend. Nice. Cool. What you got, Brian? Nice. I recommend a show that's on, uh, we, I just dogged on a movie on HBO Max, so I'll go a, a recommend for a show that's on HBO Max. Just dropped just uh, a couple weeks. I think it's four episodes in, but it did three episodes up front. Station Eleven um, with Mackenzie Davis and a couple other people you may recognize from uh, from previous shows. Uh, I read this book a couple of years ago and, and really dug it. And I thought at the time, while reading it, I was like, I like this. I don't love it. I like it going to make a better tv show than it is than it is a book it's just kind of a yeah the uh the story there's there's multiple timelines and storylines that are going on and sometimes they were i got a little bit lost in trying to figure out what what all was happening and it's 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 a very visual it's a very visual uh, uh subject i think and so it works really well on that front so yeah Lindsay and i watched the first three episodes this last weekend and i really dug it it is I almost feel like I need to give it like a trigger warning. It is like pandemic related. It's it's a sort of post apocalyptic kind of thing. Um, I require about... a uh, Lori Petty trigger warning. So <laughs> you got it. Thank you, you got it, buddy. Um, yeah. So it's a it it is it's it's about a this woman and her friends who are in basically like a traveling uh, traveling company, like a, a a repertory to to do Shakespearean plays, kind of around. Mostly around the Midwest, twenty-ish years after this flu pandemic, whatever knocked out everything, um, and so it's like multiple storylines. So you're kind of cutting back and forth between this girl when she was, I think, eight, and then you know, twenty years forward as she's she's with this company and stuff. And it's uh, and then there's another storyline that's working its way in there as well. But it's really well done. It's kind of a, it's very beautiful. Like it looks great. Um, and the story really is very rich. And so I think it's going to turn into something that, uh, is going to be on a lot of, uh, best of the year kind of lists and Emmy contention and all that good stuff. So check that out. Station 11 on HBO max. Cool. Sweet. I'm going to recommend a book. Um, I've been doing as I've talked about this a few times on the show, I've been doing like a soccer deep dive over the last year and a half or so. Um, finally like taking the plunge all in on that stuff. And there's a book, it's 15 years old. It's nothing new, but it's by Franklin Foer. It's called How Soccer Explains the World. And it's a really cool kind of travel log across Europe and South America and the Middle East and and just kind of these little singular soccer stories each chapter. Um, the book's worth it alone uh, for like, uh, there's this chapter on this Serbian ga- gangster, Archon, <laughs> who was assassinated in like 2000. But the story about his run in the 90s was... Uh, it's definitely worth reading the whole book. It's like the best chapter. So many unbelievable moments. And it's hard to believe that it was real. Uh, but yeah, how soccer explains the world by Franklin Foer, who's, uh, um, incredibly close or whatever that movie was his brother, that author, the Foer brothers write a lot of stuff, but, uh, yeah, it's a really good sports book, but even if you're really not that into sports or soccer in general, it's a, a great kind of travel log about, um, 
really it tells a story of globalization through soccer yeah. and the pros and cons of that. And it, like I said, this movie's 15 years and I was texting Brian about it a bit. There's only a couple things that are that have aged sort of funny badly, but most of it's pretty dead on and, and pretty relevant still. So uh, yeah, highly recommend it. Who's your favorite current soccer star? Sonny. Hangming Song from Tottenham Hotspur. Mm. My favorite. Favorite. Becoming maybe my favorite athlete outside of Dallas Mavericks. Players. Brian? Yeah. Brian? Guilty might still. be Son too. Yeah, I do love Son. I mean, that guy's pretty awesome. Uh, he did... He did like destroy the leg of one of one of yeah, my teams. That players. that wasn't a great, uh, wasn't a rare miss awesome. for him. But yeah. also, yeah, in fairness, I hate that guy too. So it's uh, it's fine. Um, yeah, I don't. I mean, my team. You know, I'm an Everton fan. We are awful. It's just like I was happy when their game got canceled on Sunday because it wasn't going to ruin my day. Uh, and my favorite player turned out to be a alleged pedophile so that's not great oh. it's not a, not an awesome but still um, your favorite player you use that yeah, I mean, current tense yeah. until, until he's convicted yeah still proven guilty yeah, yeah. you like um, you, you're all about due process <laughs> yeah that really that was a huge bummer for you man that's that, a tough one that's that a tough, tough hell yeah yeah. Right. yeah i don't know mbappe is pretty pretty fun to watch when he gets going yeah um, there's so many yeah. it's fun I, it's um, it's kind of like there's a lot of great young players right now which is fun yeah. I need Pulisic to get off Chelsea. I, yeah, yeah I that's what I like. I mean, I'm a Chelsea fan, so I like I like Pulisic because he's an American. Uh, I love Didier Drogba was my favorite player. Yeah, growing he was awesome. up, he was he was great. Frank Lampard, obviously, um, and uh, I, I'm a Lionel Messi guy. I love Lionel Messi. Mm. Uh, I think he's an unbelievable, probably the best player I've I've ever seen. I know Ronaldo might have something to say about that, but you know Ronaldo, and I guess it was the World Cup when he had that crosser pass, like in the last yeah. minute, I freaking remember. Was he against us? Yeah. Oh my God. What a heartbreaker, but it is pretty uh, awesome. The Ronaldo thing. I mean, he's kind of a tool, but his ability just to like get a late goal. Just, like a, just, just to be like, all right, F this and just go, yeah. and, you know, like <laughs> just do it himself. was like truly like on a world yeah. stage like that. Just watch yeah, the, watch the well. master at work, you know, like moment is, is crazy. And I love, uh, Erling Holland too. I, I think yeah. he's, yeah, he's, he's unbelievable. It's going to be awesome or not awesome. It depends on where he goes, but it's going to be very interesting this summer. Cause he can go for like pretty low yeah. transfer fee, like 75 million. It's already locked in. Be interested mm-hmm. to see. So then it comes down to more, right. Who, who he wants to go to. Cause I think pretty much every club in the world is willing to pay. Watch out for, him, uh, so. Ricardo Pepe, FC Dallas. Yeah, man. This guy might be the real Absolutely. deal. He might be like a, a great player. It's, it's weird because he'll like, be gone I follow, in like two years. He'll be in. Yeah, in, I follow in MLS England. a bit less than I follow some of the European leagues, but it is weird. I mean, it's a FC Dallas. Well, obviously, rude for being a Dallas fan is we're never very good, but like we are such a factory for creating. Every time they like anytime oh, there's the a homegrown player that makes real. it, yeah, yeah, that makes every time there is a good one though they sell them. <laughs> Right, as yeah. they should, which yeah. is the way fun. it has to happen. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it has to happen. If you're that good, you need to be playing in Europe or something. But it's just funny. Like, it's just never really trans. It's They're just a factory, though. Kellen Acosta mm-hmm. was a FC Dallas homegrown yeah. and uh, was placed for the U.S. national team. Breck Shea uh, yeah. played for FC Dallas back in the day. Was a, is that went dude over on, to, uh, uh, forgot to his Stoke name. City. He's on, Juve- he's on Juventus right now. He's kind of a hothead, but he was an FC yeah. Dallas guy. Yeah. Yeah, <clears throat> it's it's... It's a crazy world. If you if, if you've been circling it, I would yeah. say my advice to people. I always like watch like big games and stuff. I never really went all in. Like Brian's been more all in than me for years. But he, Brian knows this about me. When I decide on something, I don't really. I'm not a dabbler. 
Uh, it's my completest gene, but I, so I went on, but I, you know, with the streaming stuff now, it's so much easier to get, you know, literally with like two or three apps, you can get 90% of soccer matches. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. You know, I, I actually really like the, the women's, Fortunately, one the women's of those national team count. too. Um, Alex <laughs> yeah. Morgan. I love Alex Morgan. I think she's great. Um, yeah, there's a lot of great so watch, yeah. watch them whenever they, I'm excited for World yeah. Cup. It sucks that it's in Qatar and that it's in November, but uh, right. other, the dumbest other, times ever. Other than that, I'm mean, we'll we'll definitely yeah. have to get together for some Yeah. For some well depend I don't know what time of day it's at. Either beers or coffees and watch some games. <laughs> or both. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. There it is. Weekly recommends and Matrix Talk. Uh, but we have more coming up for you on our VIP feed this week. We've got The Office season nine, the final season of The Office. Mm. We're talking the finale, the end of Dunder Mifflin Scranton. So if you like The Office, chances are you do, because a lot of people do. Check that out. We've got all the seasons uh, as episodes on there. And uh, maybe at, at the end of this, I'll post the entire series as one giant episode. So, you know, you get an eight-hour episode with all the all the seasons in there that you can maybe nice. binge listen to, something like that. But check that out if you like The Office. com slash VIP. You get the Discord you get all of our AMA episodes. You get all of our bonus episodes, which you do every single week. And uh, you get uh, special prizes, which are being shipped out for this year's people very soon. We got some mm-hmm. special Christmas gifts coming their way that, uh, you know, maybe some swag, maybe a little, uh, you know, keepsake for your home office, things like that. Uh, check that out. Madaboutmoviespodcast.com slash VIP. Get in on that and join us for 2022. Going to be fun to count down to the Oscars. And uh, hopefully we'll see you next week. Soon. Soon. Hey, Bye. baby, I hear the blues are calling. Toss salads and scrambled eggs. And maybe I seem a bit confused. Yeah, maybe. But I got you pegged. <laughs> but I don't know what to do with those toss salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again. Scrambled eggs all over my face. 